Amen. You can be seated for a moment. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Glad to see everyone here today. And right this one. Amen. Just want to welcome all CFC family and friends, those of you that are here. Uh, I know the weather's not great outside. Isn't this the third straight Sunday that we got some kind of tropical thing going on? So next week, um, we're predicting a blizzard. We're going to have about three feet of snow. Uh, that's, about, that's about the way this year is going. But thank you guys for uh, coming out. Those that are watching online, want to welcome you. Um, again, we are now in phase three of uh, reopening. So both doors are opening. A um, couple of things. Uh, we will not have nursery in this service until the first Sunday in October, which is October 4th. We'll begin having the nurseries then. And our Wednesday night services, which uh, is our prayer meeting in here, uh, youth across the street and uh, kids club in the back, we'll start that on October 7th, as, as long as things are still going good the way they are right now. So just want to let you know that. All right, so uh, another thing, uh, if ever you can't make it to service, you can follow us live on the Facebook app, uh, YouTube app, and also our website. And all those three things. I know I'm going fast for Brother Darren. He's working the computer and the sound right now. Uh, but since we're still not giving out bulletins, which we'll start again on, in October, uh, I just want to announce those things. These are different ways you can watch the services and also give online. Uh, just a reminder, if you have kids 6 through 11 uh, that usually are in New Generations uh, Children's Church, they do film their Sunday morning service, which kids can be in right now. So, you, uh, again, you can come on back uh, to church, those of, those of you that may still be uh, out there and not coming back. But they will uh, live stream it tonight at 7 p.m. Uh, on there, so uh, on their Facebook, and I think they put it on the church one too. So, again, if you've never been in one of their services and you're wondering what they're doing, uh, you're more than welcome to watch it on there. All right, so i got one quick thing. I'm going to ask Michelle to come on up here. And she just wants to make an announcement about uh, a refuge, which is going on. So, um, Lighthouse Worship Center is starting a program called The Refuge. Um, so I'm just going to read a little bit about it. Um, our mission is to help, help you find the right place for you or your loved ones through support groups, inner healing, and program placement. You will find hope, restoration, and purpose. We are in relationship with faith-based rehabilitation centers around the country that have helped bring freedom and purpose to, to, to people's lives. We believe that there is a way out of any situation you may find yourself in. Um, tomorrow night is their first meeting at Lighthouse Worship Center. This is for um, if you or your loved one has an addiction um, or anything you're struggling with. It's not just addiction, but it's um, anything that you want healing from. Um, tomorrow night's their first meeting. It's going to be every Monday night at 6 p.m. And then if you have a, you are a loved one that is struggling with addiction, they can put you, um, they could place you somewhere or your loved one if that's something you are interested in. So if you have any questions, you can contact me. Um, again, this is uh, the head of it is Krista Latham at Lighthouse Worship Center. All right, so those of you that know, that again, there's so many people struggling with all kind of uh, addictions and things like that, so this is another resource that uh, uh, that could help. 
It doesn't mean that they can actually place somebody, but they'll help you try to find something because it, it depends if uh, the facilities have openings for people because most of the places are limited on those things. So, All right, so what I want to do is just wish everyone a happy birthday. If you're having a birthday this, between now and next Sunday, raise your hand. I just want to tell you happy birthday. Leah, wait, wait. Y'all smell that? Yeah. Something's getting older yeah. up here. Yeah. Oh, Aliska, you're having a birthday. Uh, also, <laughs> Aliska and Liam are having a birthday, both on Wednesday, right? Both the same day, so. He, Liam will be one years old, and I'm not going to say, Aliska's a little bit older than him. Just so, of uh, that fate, you're having a birthday? What day? Thursday, happy birthday to you. All right. Anyone else? All right. Those of you at home want to wish you happy birthday if you're having a, a birthday. Anyone having an anniversary between now and next Sunday? Raise your hand. No one in here? Okay. All right. Well, if you're having a birthday at home, we just want to wish you happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday. Happy anniversary also. At uh, this time, we're going to receive our tithe and offering uh, this morning. Uh, just a note, we do have three baskets now to uh, place your tithe and offering, so uh, we're going to allow everyone to come at the same time since we're in phase three that you could bring it. Again, if, if you feel more comfortable placing it in the basket before service starts, or we also have a, a I call it the birdhouse in the back over there on that little table. You can put your tithes and offerings even if you're, you come uh, after the uh, offering is passed. So I just want to let you know how you can give those of you that aren't here. You could go to our website, uh, uh, welcometocfc.com, and there's a link that you could uh, give online from there. You can mail it into the post office, uh, post office box 1427, La Rose, Louisiana, 70373. Or right now, until October 1st, uh, uh, Sister Wendy is going to be here in the office from Monday on Mondays from 9 to 2. Once we get into October, it'll be back Monday through Wednesday. Uh, that she'll be in the office. Uh, again, throughout the week, if you see me or Pastor Josh's vehicle here, you could stop and drop it off that way too. So if you would, let's just stand to our feet as we just read a couple of verses of Scripture. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 says this, I will give you a new heart and put, in, put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So take your offering and repeat after me. Say, as I give in today's offering, and that's as far as I remember. There we go. <laughs> as I give in today's offering, he says, I thank God that I am a new person in Christ. I have received a new heart and a new spirit. My old nature is stubborn, stingy, and selfish. But my new heart is yielding, agreeable, and generous. My new life is one of serving and obeying God. Thank you, Lord, that you made me a new person. Amen. Amen. So at this time, if you would, as, as Aliska just begins playing, you can come out down any row, any one of the three baskets you can place your offering in.
Come on, you can do better than that. Amen. We just want to read our call to, uh, call to worship uh, for September. It's Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. It says, But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and in the hope in which we glory. Father, we just come to you today. Father, we lift up this entire service to you right now, Father God. I pray for a special anointing upon uh, each worship uh, team member right now, Father God, as they usher us into your presence this morning. Father, we ask that your spirit fill this place today, Father God. Touch the people watching online right now. Fill their home with your glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone says amen. Let's put our hands together as we worship the Lord.
for a true move of your spirit today, God. Not a facade, not something that we've created. But God, that your spirit will be poured out upon all flesh in a way like we've never seen it, God. Lord, as we cry out in truth, Lord, as we cry out in sincerity for more of you, Jesus. Lord, that the veils from our eyes are lifted. Lord, that we begin to see the glory fall. That we begin to see the glory come down, Jesus. Lord, that we turn from our wicked ways. God, that discernment become God a real thing. Lord, in our eyes begin to open and see God the sin in our own lives, Jesus. And Lord, that we begin to repent of our ways, of our foolish ways, and the chains begin to fall and the freedom begin to come. Oh God, lift the veil from our eyes that we can see you again, that we can see you for what we really are and not what we have created you to be. But God, for truth, that truth, God, would just fall upon our faces, God, and that we would turn from the ways, God, of what we've created, God, and we turn to the heart of the Father and make worship what it is again today, what you want us to return to, God. Oh, Jesus, that our hearts return truth of your word and the truth of who you are, Jesus. Just ask God to rain down, rain 
were singing this song, especially in that first verse, God reminded me how many times Elijah had to go back. It wasn't one time. Some of you say, y'all keep telling us. Y'all keep telling us it's coming. Y'all keep telling us victory's coming. And some of you have grown weary in the fight, in the waiting. Some of you have grown weary in a well-doing. But how many times Elijah had to go back? And when he finally saw the cloud, it was the size of a man's hand. It doesn't even sound very big. In my mind, that seems so small. But you know what? He saw and he knew what God said and what God promised and that it was coming. And that's what you have to do. You have to know and believe. No matter how many times we sing it and no matter what you're feeling, we're singing it because God has told us to. And he says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what I promised. I am faithful. And you are going to see the victory. You may not see it when you want to see it, but you're going to see the victory because I spoke it. I said it, and I never fall back on my word. I never fall back on my promises. Amen. How many of you believe that God never changes his mind and falls back on his promises? Amen. He never, never. He is constant. He is God. He is not taken by surprise as we are. He is not a man that he should lie. If I'm not mistaken, pastor can correct me, but it was seven times before he saw that cloud. That's a lot. Seven times. So just trust him. Just know he's faithful. He's not going to let you down. You keep doing your best. You know what you have to do to serve him and live that life.
worship you this morning. How many of you know that he's faithful? And how appropriate this last song was for what I want to talk about today is that when life's burdens come upon us, that it could be overwhelming. But God is there. No matter what we're going through and what our situation is, I want you to know God is there and he is faithful. Amen? Amen. So let's dismiss our kids, three, four, and five, as they head back to that class uh, as they turn on the lights. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to open it to Philippians chapter 4. Amen. eyeballs out. Amen. I got a message entitled, The Secret of Happiness. The Secret of Happiness. And uh, Larry didn't want me to share this message because he says, if I tell y'all, it won't be a secret no more. So that's, uh, so <laughs> but we got to do it anyway. Amen. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this morning. Father, I just thank you for each and every person that's here today. Father, I just pray for a hedge of protection around this, uh, this state and all the Gulf Coast, Father God, over this storm that's in the Gulf. We know you are faithful, God, no matter whatever the circumstances are, Father God. We, we trust in you, Father God. Our peace is in you. And Father, as we get ready to study your word today, Father God, I pray that you would unveil our eyes, that we could see the truth of your word today, Father God. Uh, open our ears that even the deaf ears could hear the truth of your word today. Unveil our hearts that we may know you better today, Father God. Touch our minds that we could comprehend your word today. And we just thank you for that, that thy will be done. In Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray, and everyone says... Amen, amen. I want to start with a very familiar verse. Um, uh, Suzanne, if you turn off those French fry lights for me. Thank you. I like McDonald's French fries, but I don't like feeling like a McDonald's French fry. So, but uh, a very famous verse, famous, uh, very popular verse that most people know and most people, uh, Philippians 4.13, many people quoted. It's uh, the last verse in that top section, but I want to focus on that one first. It says, I can do all this, and other translations use the word uh, things, I can do all things, but I think, for me, I think this is a better translation than I can do all things, that I can do all this through uh, him who gives me strength, and how many of you have quoted that before in your life, right? We do that, and what we unintentionally do is we kind of quote that as a conquering type thing. Like, you know, there's this big mountain I'm going to climb. I'm going to climb this mountain. You know, I'm going to conquer these things in life. I can do all things through Christ. And it's a conquering type thing. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about that. Uh, I remember being in the military, you know, you could put on this, this verse and it reminds me of, you know, you want to put on some headphones and have the old Rocky music playing. Dun, 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 dun. You remember the Rocky one, not Rocky 15. Uh, I don't know who's another, but that music playing and like you could, you could accomplish to work out with this thing. And I said, you know what? I remember in the military that it was either once or twice a year, you had to do a physical um, exercise thing to make sure you they check your uh, body mass. You had to be under a certain uh, what they call it uh, fat content. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. 
body fat percentage things and different things, and you, you had to run a certain amount of distance in a certain time, or then you'd have to take, uh, if you didn't accomplish it, you'd have to, uh, they put you on like remedial exercise things to get you back in shape, uh, things like that. And I said, so the other week I said, you know what? I read that verse. I said, you know what? I'm going to co- try to accomplish what I used to do when I was 21. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to get on this treadmill, and I'm going to do a five-mile run. You see y'all laughing, but I had this, this, I could do all things through Christ. I'm going to get the Rocky music playing. And boy, let me tell you, I was surprised myself. I broke my previous record. That five-mile run, I was able to do it in less than a mile this time. (laughs) You'll get that later. It was a five-mile run, but I, I could do less than a mile. Uh, which I wasn't getting it. <laughs> but reality is this scripture and why I think it, it goes better saying I can do all this is what Paul really was talking about. You see, if you're not careful, you can kind of take some scripture out of context of what he's talking about. And it does uh, refer away in that. But what he was talking about when you, when you follow all the context of the scripture is that no matter what life throws his way, he could still get through it with the joy of the Lord and being happy. That's what he was talking about. It wasn't so much of a conquering something. It's, a, it's that I'm not going to let the world steal my happiness and joy by different situations. Because how many of you know that if you're not careful, your circumstances will dictate your happiness in life? And Paul is, is in this script, verses of Scripture is trying to explain to us that that's not where it is. Let me tell you the, the secret of this. And the secret is, is, let me just share with you, and I want to give you the definition before I read verses 10 through 13, which brings us up to that Scripture, is the secret is learning how to be content. Do you realize most, there's not many people that are content in life? And our sadness, unhappiness comes from not being content. And a, a quick definition of being content means to be satisfied, to appease the desires of or to limit oneself in requirements, desires, or actions. That is, I could be satisfied where I'm at. It doesn't mean you don't try and strive to be better. The, the Bible all clearly tells us we should be the best Christian we can, to be the best person we can. But he's trying to tell us, don't be so caught up in your situation right now that you can't be happy in it. Because I, I want you to understand, Philippians is, is Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, and he's writing, uh, the whole theme of Philippians is basically having joy in Jesus Christ, in the life living through Jesus Christ. Now, do you know where he wrote this from? In chains. Here's a guy in prison in chains writing to a church who is not in prison in chains, telling them that they should have joy and peace in Christ in their life. That he has, that, he, that even though he's in chains in prison, he has found peace in this. So, so let, let's get going on this scripture here. Philippians 4.10, it says this. He says, I rejoice gratefully in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. He says, indeed you were concerned but had no opportunity to show it. Now let me stop here for a second. He's telling them he's in prison and 
prison back then is not prison today. Okay, he's in chains, and today is, you know, you, you guaranteed three hot meals, you guaranteed a nice bed, you, and you got cable TV. Right? Back then, your, your family and friends used to have to help supply your needs in prison. And here he is in prison, and he says, I'm, I'm glad for a while y'all hadn't seen anything. He says, but I'm glad y'all renewed your concern for me. But what he begins to let them know is that even though you weren't sending things my way, he says, I still was at peace. And I'm going to show you in scripture here because he says, because I know God could use you, but you are not my source. Watch this. It says, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm having need. He says, for I have, what's that next word? Learned. Now that word uh, means to gain knowledge that you, he didn't know before, but he's come to learn this. And, he, and notice what, what's uh, before this. He's saying, y'all hadn't been sending things. So I have, because y'all weren't sending things, I've learned that I can't rely on people for my need, although God uses people. He says, I'm thanking y'all that y'all have renewed it, that you are a willing vessel for God to use, but I have come to learn that it's not the vessel that I trust in, but it's God that I trust in. He says, for I have learned this, to be, and there's that word, content. Now that word content, when you look at the original Greek word, it means to be self-sufficient in God. I have become self-sufficient. In other words, that all I need, I, I know it's me and God. That, that's what I need. And again, not to the point that God doesn't use people to help you, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later this morning. But he says, I've come to realize that as long as I've got God in my life, as long as I'm serving him, I could be content, satisfied, whatever my lot is. Now, I'm over here in prison, but i got God, I'm content. And notice what, that's what he goes on to say, whatever, I'm content whatever the circumstances. Again, circumstances, if we're not careful, we, we get so discontent with our circumstances because it, it, what I call it the if-onlys. And I've said that before, that, that people, you know, I'd, I'd be so happy, I'd be so peaceful if only this would happen. Well, we've been if-only in since we've been born. You're never, if you're not happy now and content now, you never will be. He says, whatever the circumstances. Verse 12 says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. In other words, he's telling you, I'm, I'm telling you this from both sides. He says, I know what it is to have nothing. I know what it is to have a lot. He says, but I can't say I'm at peace and content when I have a lot or or." when I'm little. He says, it, that doesn't make me content. He says, I know what it is to have plenty. Uh, the next thing it says, I have, and there's that word again, learn, but this is a different Greek word from the other one. It means I have come to an understanding or I have made a discovery, and that's the secret of being content. The, the secret of happiness is to be content, and uh, the, later on I'm going to give you three uh, secrets of being content, how you can be content. He says that I have learned the secret of being content. 
in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So notice, he says, I can do, uh, again, this. Uh, uh, my mind's still programmed with the word things. Uh, but I can do all this. What is he talking about? What is the all this he could do? He could be content in every situation in life. That's what this verse is about, that you could be content with every situation you have in life. And again, the definition of content is being satisfied uh, to appease the desires of, to limit oneself in requirements and desires of actions. And that's what I talked about. If only, if only this would happen, if only that would happen. I'd be happy if only I had this job. I'd be happy if only I had that. If, I'd be happy if only this would happen in my life. Do you see what not being content means you have a desire for something else that is not in your life now? Now, I added this scripture this morning uh, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. Everybody ever heard, do not covet, thou shall not? It's one of the Ten Commandments. Notice what it says here in the Good News translation. Do not desire. And that's what we're talking about. Being, when you begin desiring things you don't have, you're not content. And I want to, again... Don't take me wrong with this. God wants you the best for your life, you to do your best and things. It doesn't mean just go sit down and don't do nothing with your life. That's not what he's talking about. But he's saying, even in prison, I could be content with all these things. You know, it could have been, if anybody had a reason to complain, Paul could have. Right? Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm spreading the gospel for you, and you put me here in jail. You allow me to go in jail? How discontented could he have been? Right? I'm in prison for doing what you want me to do. Easy, right? So he says, do not desire, notice what it says, another man's house. Do not desire his wife, his slaves, his cattle, his donkeys, or anything else he owns. This is in the Ten Commandments. He's telling you, quit desiring the things you don't have. Again, this is not talking about not placing goals in your life and things. But if you don't reach the goal, don't let that disturb your happiness and joy in life. Okay? So, it, let's, let's put it this way. In our life, human beings tend to focus on the bad rather than the good. Right? Anybody watch the news and see how full of good news it is? No. Why do you think the news does not put good things on? Don't good things happen in this world? You wouldn't think so by watching the news. But there's more good going on in the world than bad. But you know what? People don't want to look at that. They want to watch the bad. We focus on the bad. And let's put it this way. Uh, we focus when you're not content, you're focusing on what you don't have instead of what you have. That makes sense? I'm not content. Instead of focusing on what God's already blessed me with and where I'm at, I'm going to moan and complain because I want something else. I have a desire for something else. Now, in a minute, I'm going to ask Brother Darren to put a picture up on this screen that I have saved in my computer at home, and I always look back at this. 
uh, every, every so often I go back because it's, it's a sobering picture and it's something that we all need. It brings us back down to earth. I was thinking, you know, sometimes when the grandkids come visit, uh, especially Megan's boys, they, they're more hyper than, <laughs> than girls. But even, even her as a mom with four boys, how many of you know that sometimes your kids could be running up and down the walls, going all over the place, and it, it seems like it's going to drive you crazy? It's like, what, what in the world's going on? How much sugar did y'all eat? Y'all going, but, but do you realize that's a sign of help? Right? We, we, it, it's irritating and, and that thing, but re, when you think about it, is it, wouldn't you rather have them running around going crazy than in a hospital bed dying? So, Darren, put this picture up on the wall, on, on the screen. It says, tell me again how hard your life is. Can y'all see that? Good? Uh, t- Darren, turn off the lights for a second, because I want, I want the picture to be clear for them. I don't know about you, but if I was in this situation, I would pray to God that my child would be running up and down the walls in a nice air-conditioned home. Right? See how it, it puts it into perspective? The very things I'm complaining about not being content, can I tell you, and I don't, this picture is several years old, the odds of them being alive isn't even, probably not even good. But if they were still alive, I guarantee you they would trade their life for your life any day of the week. You see, sometimes we we begin focusing and not being content on what we have, and we just focus on what we don't. That's probably about all they own is what you see. So let me ask you this question. Is your life really that bad? No. Not if, not, not if you, you see how, if you were in that situation, wouldn't you be praying to God to be in the situation you're in now? But we're in this situation now, but we, oh God, please, get, I want this, I want that, I want that. We need to learn to be content. See, because I'm sure she'd say, boy, if I only had their life. How dare they could complain. You can put the lights back on, brother Darren. And every once in a while, I need to look at that picture. Because it reminds me how blessed we are. You know, what we get upset when our second vehicle is giving us a little trouble Oh, poor lady doesn't know what we're going through. Right? What? We out of milk? How am I supposed to eat my cookies? It's, It's a sobering thing. When we begin to realize how discontented we are, but how blessed we are. And that's where God tells us, and that's what Paul's trying to tell us. 
the secret to happiness is not in what you have. You need, it's, it's living in Christ and knowing what he's done for you and being content in that situation. Benjamin Franklin, now I found this out about him, uh, this statement. You'll see it on your paper. It's not in the computer there. Um, invented many things. But I did not know until I, I read this week that did you know Benjamin Franklin, everything he invented, he never patented? Because he says he didn't invent it to get rich. He invented it to help out mankind. And Benjamin Franklin made this statement. He says, contentment makes poor men rich. But discontentment makes rich men poor. When you're discontented, I'll never have enough. But being content, a poor man that is content is very rich. Because he's satisfied. Now, is this scriptural? Sure. Look at the next scripture. How many of you want to be rich in the Lord? Notice what this it says. But First uh, Timothy six six through ten, but godliness with it's, uh, he's adding something to it. He says it's not good enough just to be godly, but he says godliness uh, with contentment is great gain not just godliness and being non-content because what i could be godly but still be desiring and always wanting something else i'm never i'm never content so i'm never happy do you realize i had watched a program a a few years ago i forget what it was but it, it was talking about all the people who won lotteries they won like several hundred million dollars in lotteries and you'd be amazed how many of them said that winning that money ruined their lives. Caused divorces, all kind of things that they, that they wish they would have never wanted. You see, if only we had a little bit more money. That would solve it. That's what we got missing. I like to think of it this way. God knows what you could handle. And and that's what I always say, God, if you want to bless me with a million dollars, go ahead. But if it would make me walk one inch away from you, I don't want it. And God, God I believe God's faithful. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Not just godliness, but being content. He says, now notice what it says in verse 7. For we brought nothing into the world, and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich, you notice what he's saying, those who have a desire for something else, that their whole life is never satisfied. I, I need to get this. I need to accomplish this. I need, I need, I need. Again, I'm not saying God does not want you to set goals and things in your life. But when that becomes your desire in life, that's the most important thing in your life. He says, uh, verse 9, those who want to get rich end up falling into temptation and a trap into many foolish, harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And then verse 10 says, for the love of money, not, listen carefully, he does not say money. He says the love of money, the desire for money is the root of all kinds of evil. Notice he did not say money's evil, but the desires for money is the root of of evil, which the root produces a, a, a plant, a fruit that brings that destruction on your life. 
That's why he goes to say you can't serve both God and money. He says some people eager for money, some people that, that have such a desire that is not content with what they have, says have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That reminded me of that thing of the story I seen of those people who won those lotteries. How the, what you thought would be a blessing in your life was actually a destruction in your life. Does not desiring what, <coughs> excuse me, not, not being satisfied with what you have in life, but just wanting and desiring other things. Not focusing on what you have, but just always focusing on what you don't have. Let, let's go to uh, Genesis, the very beginning of time. We see this. Again, this is before Adam and Eve fall, so sin hasn't entered their life, but we see them in a human form that is not content. And guess where that discontent gets them? Where we see ourselves today in, in sin. So look at this. So uh, Genesis one twenty seven says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So let's look at that. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That's a pretty good setup there. That's a pretty good carbon copy you're made after. That's a good, good thing we're made after. But guess what? Adam and Eve were not content with the way God made them. How many of us struggle with low self-esteem? Many people. We struggle with the way God made us. God, if you only made me a little more like so-and-so. Oh, God, I wish I could do this like so-and-so. What are you doing? You're beginning to cover or desire things that God placed in someone else that he didn't place in you. Look, there's people, you may not realize this, but there's probably some people in this world that said, boy, I wish I was a little more like you. You might not realize it, but there are. But if you're not careful, you begin to desire, right? God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. Then why are you not satisfied with the way he formed you and he wanted you to be? Let's go on. We'll jump down to verse uh, 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. He says, now the serpent, and, and again, this is taking place in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, they had the tree of life, the, in the middle of the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which was uh, very pleasing to the eye. But if you read before this, I want you to understand that in the Garden, it wasn't just like the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil were the only two good-looking trees in there. It says God had filled the Garden with trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. It wasn't like there's two beautiful trees and everything else has been sprayed with Roundup. It was all thing. God had placed it for them. God created the perfect place for them. And it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than all the other wild animals God made. Now that serpent, do you know who he is? Who? The devil. The serpent. But let me ask you this question now. 
Why was the serpent, why was the devil there? Because he was kicked out of heaven. Why was he kicked out of heaven? Because God, although God created him the most beautiful of all the angels and in charge of God's worship, he was not satisfied with the way God made him and he desired to have the praise and worship of God that belonged to God. He wasn't content with what God had formed them for, His purpose and things. And He says, I will set myself above. That's why He's in the garden. Because He wasn't content. That's why we have to realize that we need to be content in this life because some of our desires, we, we want to gain all this stuff, but it could be to our destruction. Is more crafty than all the other animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the, uh, any tree in the garden? And then we'll jump down to verse 4. And this is uh, to verse 6. I know your paper says verse 7. Just a misprint. Satan tells her, You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from uh, it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Now they're already made in the image of God. They weren't gods. Let me clear that up carefully. They were not gods, but they were made in the image of God. But Satan says you will be like God. What happens? All of a sudden, well, now I'm not content with the way God made me. I want something else. I'm going to, thou shalt not covet. They wanted something else that God hadn't had for them, that said no to. Again, and that's what, what happens is that Satan starts feeding their mind. God's trying to keep something away from you. He says, uh, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw what she looked at, what she focused on, that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and look what it says next, and also what? Was that word? Desirable. Desirable for gaining something she did not have. You see, the knowledge of good and evil, it once she knew it, she get, became accountable to it. See, sometimes the, thing, the very thing we desire is the thing that brings destruction in our life. Although we think it's going to be the best thing since sliced bread. And I like sliced bread, by the way. So, <laughs> Desirable for gaining wisdom, as she took some and ate it, she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. So think of what we've been talking about here so far. When you become discontented, not satisfied with who God made you, the way God made you, if you're not careful, you begin to desire and covet the things that maybe God doesn't want in your life right now. Maybe you're not ready for. But so, again, the secret to happiness is being content. Well, how do we, how do we become content in life? Being, con being content, these are the secrets of being content. Number one is uh, on your paper, be satisfied with what you have. Be satisfied right now with what you have. 
once again, it doesn't mean that we don't set goals and different things. But if you're not happy with what you have right now, what makes you think having that next thing is going to make you happy? Because I'm sure the lady in the picture and her son that we had up there would have said, how in the world can you not be happy with all you have? So I want you to understand God knows your needs. God knows what you need in your life right now. Be satisfied with what you have. Apparently God has you there for a reason, has you at this time in your life for a season. And God knows what you need and nothing is too expensive for, for God. Because you needed a Savior and what did He do? He sent His Son to die on the cross. God knows what you need. Now look what Jesus is telling them here. In Matthew six twenty six through 34, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? He's telling them, God knows their needs. God takes care of their needs, although they do not sow or reap. He says, you're more valuable than them. Realize God's going to take care of you. And that's why we're tying it back to where, where Paul was in prison, saying, you know what? Whether I'm free or not, my peace is in him. My happiness is in him. Uh, verse 27 says, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to his life? Can I tell you that by worrying about your life, you'll take hours off your life instead of adding them? Stress is horrible and, and will literally take years off your life. Verse 28, and why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They, are, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God takes care of the clothes, the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, take care of you. He says, you have little faith. So don't worry saying, what will we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? All the things that are in this world. He says, for pagans run after those things. Pagans desire those things. That is what they live for. They desire for gaining more stuff. But he says, your, your, he says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows what you need. Uh, be, he says, verse 33, he straightens it up for us. But first, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Quit worrying about what you don't have. Be thankful for what you do have. And God will act. Verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And this is what I just want to mention to you right now. God knows how to meet your need. How he does it is up to him. See, Paul was talking about 
I'm glad y'all recognized me now. Y'all didn't forget me. Y'all weren't sending things to help me out. But I'm glad y'all are now. But I've learned that it's not you that the blessings come through. God may have used you as a willing vessel to send it to me. But it is from the hand of God. Uh, we could think about that throughout the Bible. We see that. When Elijah was, was uh, going through a, a, a famine in the land, and drought in the land, God says, told him, he says, I, ha- I have commanded you to drink from the brooks. And he says, I have commanded the ravens to feed you. Now he's hiding in caves and these things. And he says, God says, drink from the brooks and I've commanded ravens to bring food. You see, God could use different ways. Now, when you, when you, I was thinking, with, with, with the ravens to feed him, you know, uh, these ravens didn't show up in a little black and white tuxedo. You know, one leg on the ground and one up because his other leg had the little tray with the filet mignon on it. You know, hopping around. No, what did they do? Probably came from some roadkill cafe and drop them off some food. It wasn't the best, but Elijah knew that God was providing for him. But then the famine went worse. The brooks dried up. So what happens? God uses a little widow woman and her son. Elijah finds her, the widow, he asks her what she's doing, and she says, well, I got a little bit flour, a little bit wine, a little bit of oil, not wine. And he says that, I, she says, I'm getting ready to make my last Popeye biscuit. Me and my son's going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Because there's nothing left. And Elijah says, first. What did Jesus say? Seek first his kingdom. He says, first make me, the man of God, a biscuit. And he says, and your flour jar will never end. And your uh, jar of all will never run dry. As long as the famine. If God is first in your life. If, you, if, you, if, that, if God is what you're seeking after first in your life, he'll provide for you. What about the Israelites? I'm going a little long. The Israelites, he provided manna and quail in the desert. God knows what you need. Again, think about not being content. God had provided manna for them the whole time, and what did they end up doing? Complaining. Yeah, what about the meat? Hey, you remember you were slaves back there in Egypt, making, stomping mud, making bricks. We're, human beings are never content. And that's where Paul's trying to tell us. We need to learn the secret to happiness is learning to be content in life. Second thing is we need to learn to rest in our situation. Rest in your situation. <coughs> Be satisfied with what you have. It doesn't mean that God's not going to bring better things in your life. But be content where you are. That's how you learn. begin to be happy. Rest in your situation. Whatever season in life you you in, here's what I want to tell you. is Whatever season in life you're in, whatever people are in your life right now, they are meant to be in your life right now so you could be a light into their world. Jesus says you are a light to this world of darkness. So whatever season you're in right now in your life, you need to see it as an opportunity. I don't know how much longer these people will be in my life, and I need to be a light to them. Now notice what Paul says. In Philippians 1, 12 through 14, this is right before there. 
It says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, what he's talking about, is I've been arrested for sharing the gospel. What has happened to me, he says, as bad as this is, has actually served to do what? Advance the gospel. My bad situation has actually served to advance the gospel. So how many of you know that we should rejoice in that? That if someone comes to know the Lord through a situation where, and he says, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. He says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. He says, although my life has gone backwards, I am still content because I know what it's producing. That he's saying, you know what, if I wasn't here, these things wouldn't have happened in the palace. Be content. Rest in your situation. You're in this season in your life, uh, life for a season. Third thing is realize your strength. Realize your strength. What is your strength? Notice this. Jesus uh, says in John 14, 13, and 14, Jesus answered the woman. He says, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. Drinking from the well. But I want you to know what he's expressing here is whatever this world could offer you, whatever this natural world offers you will still leave you wanting more. He says, you could take a drink now, but guess what? You'll be, drink, you'll be thirsty again later. You may quench your desire right now, but later on the desire is going to come back because it's a ne- this world can never give you anything that's going to make you content. You're always going to be desiring something else. Then he says this, verse 14, but whoever drinks the water... I give, then we'll never thirst again. Do you see contentment in there? When you take of Him and realize it's Him living in Christ, that's where you're filled. And you'll never thirst again. He says, indeed, the water I give them will be, uh, in them will spring up, in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So I want you to know that if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you have a hidden resource in you that keeps you, that is there to keep you from thirsting and wanting those other things. It wells up inside of you. We, we are living contentment. Now, again, don't get me wrong. God wants you to live the best and be the best you can be. But where you're at now, you should be as happy as you ever be. Being content. In a lot or little. So there we get, finally make it to verse 13, which we started with. Philippians 4.13. Paul says these, this right here. I, what? Can. I can. How many Christians say, I can't? How many Christians say, I can't witness? 
I can't do this. It, because it's, if only God made me a little more like so-and-so, then I could. If only, if only I could speak better. Boy, if only I could preach like this person. If only I could pray like that person. Let me tell you, what, when I think of myself praying, I say, Scott, you've, you're a fumbling idiot. When I hear myself praying. Because you don't have to be here long to know that when I talk, sometimes I fumble over my words. That's right. And reality is, you know what? God didn't make me that way. You know, this nice, eloquent speaker. I speak with a Cajun accent. I pray with a Cajun accent. But God understands. God just wants you to be who you are. It's not, oh, if only you would, you pray if only you could pray like so-and-so. No. Just pray like who you are. Just witness like who you are. Oh, I don't know enough scripture. Just simply tell them, look, God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. I don't know exactly what this, where those scriptures are, but I do know it's for real. And I do know he wants to forgive your sins. It's simple. Again, I can't be used by God. That doesn't make sense. Think about it. If God created you, And the Ephesians says he's created us, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he's prepared for us. He's created you and made you to fulfill the purpose he had for you. In other words, you're the perfect fit for what he needs done. You're the, he built you exactly like he needed to build you to accomplish what he has for your life. It, it would be kind of ridiculous if we all looked the same, walked the same, and talked the same. Right? If we came in here one day and there's 200 Larrys, oh, God help us. <laughs> My little buddy Larry. <laughs> but notice this. Paul says, I can, but he's not saying it, I can, in a narcissistic way. He's letting you know because in this next section he says, through Christ. He's saying, I can through Christ. It's not that I'm God's greatest things since sliced bread. I don't know why I'm on sliced bread today. But, uh, well, I'm, I'm, you know, God's so lucky to have me. Woo, I don't, God, I don't know what you'd do without me. Oh, I'm so, whew, everything I touch turns to go. Everything, oh, boy. Woo! See, Paul said, I can through Christ. In other words, he knew in himself, he did not have the ability. That it's only through Christ. So I can through him. And this is what it will go up a few verses from there. In Philippians 4, 4 through 7. This is why he's telling us. And again, that's why I could do all this through Christ. Is what he's telling you. It's not about just conquering things. But is that I could have contentment in my life no matter what the situation is that I'm going through. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord when? Always. What does that mean? When times are bad? 
when times are good. I can always rejoice in him. He says, and he says, just in case you didn't hear, I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't desire all these things. He says, but in every situation, in lack or plenty, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And he says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, which transcends all worries, which transcends all stress, which transcends all desires, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, the secret to being happy is being content. No matter, and I understand there's things that go on in people's lives, but if you're not content with your life now, can I dare to say you'll never be? We have to learn, as Paul was teaching us, that the secret to contentment, secret to life is content. That God, you have this lot. This is my lot in life right now. And if that's where you have me, I'm in your perfect will and your perfect peace in life. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity here today. Those of you watching online or those of you in the building here today. I just want you to know that God loved you so much that he gave his son to establish a relationship with you, restore a relationship with you. He created you uniquely and special. As we look around this room, you can look around the room and see no one is close to being the same unless you have a twin. Right? Why did he make you that way? Because that's the way he needed you. We were created in his image. Don't let the enemy come in and tell you, if only you were like so-and-so. If God wanted you like so-and-so, he would have made you like so-and-so. He made you like you are. So just say this simple prayer with me and invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I admit that I fall short in many areas of my life, but I believe that you love me so much that you sent your Son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I accept that forgiveness and salvation right now through Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 God bless you. We love you. Amen. Live a life of contentment. Amen. God bless you. Be safe out there on the road.